So we began discussing last time this idea of we called it the thought that kicks you out of heaven. There's a thought that kicks you out of heaven. And it's just, I think, a very compelling way of, of, of discussing it because it creates a sense of what actually happens when negative thoughts creep into our mind. What, what does that do to us? So we're going to start off building up, building up the idea together and reinforcing what we discussed previously. And this is how it works. If you look at, if you look at right now in this room, right now in this room together, and you start to think about the collaboration of literally thousands, perhaps millions of just people that can facilitate our continued existence in this way in this room. So, for example, how many people are employed by the electricity company that make sure that there's, there's lighting, so we have lighting? How many people are employed by the municipality that does an overall, you know, administration of building regulations to make sure that the walls that we are being enclosed by are solid? How many people are ensuring that the roads that are maintained we can travel on so that we can go back and forth? How many people involved in the the water and the plumbing of the city? In fact, there's like literally we have whole armies of individuals that are securing our experience of this very moment. So there's immense, immense support from an entire army, armies of people, to make sure that this moment, the experience that we're having is magnificent. And we could talk about our accessories, the watches that we wear, the clothes. Again, it's a product of literally thousands and thousands of people from the designer to the manufacturers to the way that they are imported and exported and, and then eventually marketed to us. And, and, and then, of course, there's the whole notion of having currencies and, and the banks and the, the global economy. So really, when we actually think about existence in this world, there is, we are so small in terms of what we're contributing in relation to what's being contributed to us. Mm. We're like being supported by an immense, immense millions of intricate pieces functioning together in order to give us this moment's worth of life. And that's purely on a um, pragmatic perspective. But when we function into that, our own physiological continued existence, the fact that our heart is beating and our lungs are breathing and that our digestive system is working and that our delicate hormonal balances are all working as they should, we start to come with this overriding realization that we are being so deeply supported by a world. It's not even that we're breathing, we're actually being breathed because we're not controlling our breath. So we're being lived. So when I have the sense of, whoa, 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 everything, everything, everything is supporting me. And I actually feel that support. And now when we take it into the world of spirituality, we take it one step further and we say, and behind this, there's a really powerful engineering force called the Boreolam, the creator of our world. And he's infusing with energy all these systems. And down to the last beat of my heart, 
and I'm totally and utterly supported in this moment by Him through every breath that I take. When I focus on that thought and I see the magnificent, incredibly overwhelming gift of life, so I'm in heaven. I'm literally in heaven. I mean, I'm in heaven. I'm, I'm living a blissful, blissful reality. And the question is, so what's the thought that kicks me out of heaven? And this is how it works. I'm in that blissful reality. And then here comes a thought. Hmm. Stupid noise outside. Boom! <laughs> the whole thing collapses. The whole thing collapses. The thought that... I can't get a room where there's better sound insulation I can speak to you without having trains and cars and heating and sun. I mean, come on. Like, boom. Even though every delicate part of my life has been supported and there are a trillion things going so well for me, but there's noise in the background. Boom. That's a thought that takes me out of heaven. Okay? That's how it works. That's how, that's how, that's how we work. In the mission, this is called We've got other parts to our persona. Continue our discussion about the Nefesh Bahamas, Nefesh Elokis. We've got other parts to our persona which their energetic power sabotages our blissful state. Pulls us out of heaven. And the Mishnah describes those as desires. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, perfect, everything's in place. And I say, ooh, I'm really hungry. Boom, I lost heaven. Or that's called Taiva. Or when the guy said hello to me this morning, that's called COVID. Or ah, I feel so. Why, why, why don't I have an easy time like Ruvain in understanding the Gemara? That's called Kina. What do they take you out of? They take you out of the reality of your life. And they put you in a skewed a skewed, distorted, illusory perspective that is inherently untrue. And this is how we work with it. So we've got this thought that kicks us out of heaven. What do we do with that thought? So let's start to explore this. Well, one thing we could do is let's, let's, let's formulate what that thought means to us. Step number one is formulating what that means to us. I have everything. I have everything. But if there is noise outside, I cannot be happy. If there's a noise of traffic and trams going on outside, I cannot be happy. Step number one is feeling the heaven. Step number two is identifying the thought that kicks me out of heaven. Step number three, step number three is formulating what is actually the formula of that thought. Because there's noise, I cannot be happy. Because there's noise, I'm irritated. Good? Step number one Acknowledging what you have. Two, finding the thought that kicks you out of heaven. Three, formulating the thought that kicks you out of heaven. Four, challenging that thought. Now let's challenge that thought. Is that really true? Is it really true that because there's noise outside, I must be irritated? Or is it really true that because there's noise outside, I cannot be happy? So I think to myself, well, let me think about that. Has there ever been a time in my life from the time that I was born until now? Because we're making it as an absolute. If there's noise, I cannot be happy. Absolute. So let me challenge the absolute nature of that thought. Is there ever a time in my life when there's been noise around and I've been able to be happy? Sure. I remember when I was on the way to um, 
to a holiday and I was in this plane and there was a gigantic sound of the engines and it was, I was actually happy. Hmm. And I remember when I was, when I was, um, when I was uh, running the other day and I was like pushing myself and like, I didn't even hear the noise. And I remember when I was having this conversation with a friend in the Shook, which is one of the noisiest places in the world. And I like actually enjoyed the vibe of the, of the noisiness behind me. Oh, so it's actually not absolutely true that because there's noise, I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be irritated. Wow, okay. So I wonder if I could, and you can do this, you can, you can flesh the sound more, but now let's switch the thought. I can only be happy when there's noise around. Mm. How would I understand the thought if I made, I can only be happy if there's noise around. Well, I suppose when there's noise around, I know that my hearing is working. That's really reassuring. When there's noise around, I know that I'm not alone. When there's noise around, I know there's productivity, stuff's going on around me. So actually, hearing the noise makes me happy. And I'm back in heaven. Identifying heaven, figuring out which of the thought that kicked me out of heaven, understanding what the formula of that thought is, challenging the formula, turning it around. A five-step process to get back to heaven. Who would like to experiment with it? Go, Tovi. What's the thought that's kicking you out of heaven? Just before Tovi says something. Sure. Um, you said noise as the example. Right. What if it's... Uh, I can't think of it if I was saying like bad. I don't know. Go on. So what's, how does that make What's you bad happy? for you? Tell me a story about what's bad for you. When was the time that you felt frustrated, upset, angry... And why? Mm. Has anything gone wrong for you in the recent past? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Let's hear about it. Uh, I let me just use this one. Like, like every time I hear about these like pro Palestinian things, it just makes me angry. Great, perfect. Let's so work that. Fantastic. So, okay, great, brilliant, brilliant. So. You know, you realize that you you introduce them, and then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, there's that huge pro Palestinian rallies, and there's a lot of um, ha- hatred being spread on social media, and in the in, in the media at large. And let's try to figure. So the thought that makes you unhappy is when I hear about pro when I hear about pro Palestinian rallies or anti-Semitic comments, I get angry. Okay, so pro-Palestinian or anti-Semitic rise of anti-Semitism makes me angry. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, is that true? Yeah. Always true. It's always been true. There's never been a situation where anti-Semitism has had another effect on you other than making you angry. Not that I can think of. So every single time you expose to some level of anti-Semitism, it must produce in you a feeling of anger. Yeah. And produce a different feeling. One second. One second. We can, everyone can have their chance. And maybe if you turn around... One second, one second. Before you turn it around. Before you turn it around. You can't, you can't recall a time when someone was anti-Semitic and you felt proud maybe. I guess proud to be a Jew. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. So slowly, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ah, ah, ah. So yeah. in other words, okay. Turn it around. Anti-Semitism makes me happy. Uh, yeah. No, do it. Yeah. Anti-Semitism makes me happy. And how, and what does it feel like now? Proud. There you go. Back in heaven. 
Yeah. <laughs> Pretty awesome, no? Yeah. <laughs> Tovi, go for it. I remember on Shabbos, I was diving for an astray, and I was like, that was quite an intense one astray for me. Yeah. I really wanted to get into it. Yeah. And um, I remember like, there was like this old guy standing behind me, <laughs> and he was saying every word of which one astray, like very loud. So, and like, not even just one astray, he was diving. He wasn't even in one astray, it was like, just like in Shema, he was just saying every word out loud, and I was just like, I just couldn't concentrate. Classic, classic scenario, we've all been there. <laughs> We've all been there. You're like, you know, your body reaches spiritual heart. You're in Shimon Yisrael. Be misyachet to the Baruch Kolei Lamais. And then you hear, And your initial reaction is, SHUT! Um, but you can't do that because you're in Shimon Yisrael. So just think it. Okay, so let's work with this. So now, so you're in heaven, tuck in heaven. And then, then, then the thought is, if this guy makes, this guy making me, making noise, makes me, what does it make you feel? I just felt like very, yeah, I was, just, it was, it was very hard for me to concentrate, I felt I was just very agitated. Agitated. Okay, so let's formulate, how would you formulate it? When a person make it into a rule? It's hard for me to formulate because it says I don't mind the noise. Like I, I, I generally like. Right, noise. so formulated in, in the I'm way in, that you want to formulate. When I'm in the middle of Shmona Estre, yeah. I don't like there to be lots of people speaking around. When, when you're in the middle of Shmona Estre, you, you don't like it when there's lots of people speaking around you. Okay. When you're in the middle of Shmona Estre, you do not like speech around you. Is that true? Yeah. Always true. There's never ever been a situation in your life where someone speaking around you in Shimon Yisrael hasn't had the impact of making you upset or annoyed. It definitely, on every occasion, it's definitely broke my concentration on some part. And if I really so wanted to... Even like when you're, you're diving like on Shimon Yisrael in, in the Yom Minoraim and the Chazor Yisrael starts, but you're still deeply involved in your Shimon Yisrael, even then... It takes me a long time to get back into it. Definitely so there's never been a point when you've been in Shimon Esrei and you've been so in it that someone someone talking around you hasn't affected you. Yeah. It's always broken your concentration. At some level, I think so, yeah. Some level. It's always made you annoyed. No. 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 So it doesn't always make you annoyed. Sometimes it makes you annoyed, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Right? Um, okay, so sometimes you damage my nest, right? And there's noises around you. It's okay. Um, okay, so how about we switch it, and we say, when I hear noises around me, I'm not annoyed. What would that mean to you? What would it mean to you that having noise around you doesn't annoy you? In fact, it helps your concentration. I'd be lucky to say it just it, it comes like some ra- like a random point like other points would be annoyed and other points wouldn't be annoyed so I couldn't really say well let's think about it let's think about how you would not be annoyed during Shemana Yisrael let's say for example that you understood the Shemana Yisrael was a time where Akash Bochu and you are in the room together okay now you and I are in the room together yeah okay and let's say Akash Bochu reads your thoughts so you and I are in the room together 
but I can't read your thoughts. So we're sitting and we're chatting, and then Simcha, who's generally very, you know, loud, starts making noise outside. And while we're in this conversation, would you go and say, Shut up, Simcha, I'm trying to concentrate. No. Why not? Rude. So why wouldn't you be rude? He's allowed to do that. What about our interaction that we're having? How do you feel about doing that in the middle of like our conversation? I'm saying you're doing it outside. It's a singular event. He's allowed to do his own thing. So it's not my fault. But it's disrupting our conversation that we're having. Like why aren't you annoyed? Okay, great. What happens to our conversation when you respond to him that way? It breaks our conversation. And let's say I can see you. How do you think you feel about yourself when you do that in the middle of our conversation? Probably feel like I don't, I'm not so, I don't value a conversation so much that I go break it just to tell someone else to. And do you think like telling him would be a good or a bad thing to do? Reflect well or reflect badly on you? So you'd probably feel also a little bit bad about yourself in the relationship. Yeah. So really, if you really want to connect to me, what would be a fantastic way of connect to Hashem? What would be a fantastic way of doing it? Ignore it. Or even better, what? Concentrate on Or better. Say, wow, isn't it amazing that he's got the space to do what he likes and I can control him and I can just be who I am and not be moved by that? In other words, <coughs> therefore the best thing that could happen is that if someone makes a noise, it'll pull you into your Shemonesra. Because it'll pull you into a real connection to yourself and to the conversation that you're having and make it for you a real, a real experience. As opposed to before, which was just like, it was a teaching experience, which was very weak and was easily disrupted and was like such a, such a, such a, such a diluted version of what it should have been. So the best thing that can happen is that Shalom should talk around you because that will act as a litmus test to how deeply you're involved in Shemonesra. How do they feel now? Isn't that interesting, right? Do you see how the thought that ch- chases, knocks us out of heaven kicks a, is a thought which is, but it's a lie. Yeah. It tells us a lie. And then we live with that lie. Go for it. Add what do you want to say? Let's talk about it. Which thought kicks you out of heaven? Um, have you had anything that's kind of not great that's happened to you in the last 15 minutes? <laughs> say food, say cigarettes, say things. Just give me one story and let's work it through. Um, last 15 minutes. Um, I get frustrated when people don't see the real side of South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so people, people who, who, who misrepresent South Africa, that makes you annoyed. No. No. South Africans that see the delusional side of South Africa. So, South Africans <laughs> that present what to you is a 
non-reality of South Africa. When they do that, that makes you upset. I'm more, not upset. I think I'm more frustrated. Frustrated. Yeah, definitely. Frustrated. In other words, when people represent South Africa in a way that you feel is wrong, you get frustrated. When South Africans represent <laughs> South Africa in a way that you feel is misled, you get frustrated. In a way that they... Yeah, maybe. You can go with that. Let's go with that. Okay. So is that true? Is that always true? Have you ever been in a situation where a South African is giving what you think is a wrong presentation to South Africa and you haven't yeah, been? Yeah, sure, of course. I was the 100 times. It makes me proud to be South African. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I was just taking it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you already switched the toy around. So when people <laughs> misrepresent <laughs> South Africa, it makes you feel proud. Well, yeah, sometimes when they say, like, things about South Africa that, that's wrong, but it's like a good wrong, then you're Give like, me an oh, example. <laughs> Give me an example. <laughs> <laughs> um, South Africa has a one of the best Jewish communities in the world. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So that's like a, that's obviously a, not true, but it's a proud thought. And obviously it causes me. What about if they say South Africa has got a crime rate and it's dangerous to walk on the streets? Yeah. South Africa so is on the verge. Proud, that would make me proud. Wouldn't make South Africa is on the verge of economic collapse. Yeah, so it makes me a bit stressed, right? South Africa's infrastructure is crumbling. Yeah, so um, South Africa, in terms of its pro- pro- projecting South Africa in the future, very likely it's going to turn into another Zimbabwe, where there's going to be a wide range of famine, disease, and yeah. the the empowered population is going to have to immigrate. Correct. Okay, so what what is there? What what could <laughs> I say about South Africa that would make it right? He's anti South Africa. Are you anti South Africa? Yeah, he hates when pro South Africans. Oh, yeah. okay. So how about this? Yeah, no, that makes you. That's like so okay. That makes oh, sorry. South Africa. You're not big enough there. You're not saying South Africa is going to be. Okay, I'm listen. I'm flexible. South Africa. South Africa is a haven for from Jew. They're able to work, learn and live with the, a lifestyle which facilitates them growing in, in, in Torah like very few other places in the world. South Africa is best with such... Yeah, yeah. Hey? Yeah, fine, we can say that. Okay, South Africa is a country which is endowed with incredible natural beauty that you can go holidaying with a fraction of the price of doing the same probably anywhere else in the world, <laughs> an amazing place. South Africa has the widest... One of what South Africa is very Glen Hazel is so safe Glen Hazel is like so safe for Jews Glen Hazel is a very safe place for Jews yeah that frustrates me it is it's a very safe place for Jews wow how many Jews do you know in the last 10 years that have been killed in Glen Hazel um I've known four stories in the last month one deaths <laughs> murders I mean, not murders. So have any of them been killed? What a murder. Obviously, it's murders. Is the <laughs> one for because safety. what's the definition of dangerous? <laughs> oh, a kidnapping's pretty bad, I'd say. Well, did they come out <laughs> okay? Murders. Robberies. Came out okay. Came out okay. Do you know what I'm saying? What dangerous means that there's loss of life. There's no loss of life. 
what I'm saying? Have you ever been to Brazil? Have you ever been to, you know, some dodgy places in Detroit? <laughs> this no, they, they are... something actually frustrates me instead of me avoiding the whole... Oh, fine. So what actually frustrates you? Let's hear it. What actually frustrates you, Adam? <laughs> uh, Clearly not South Africa. Good. I'm glad we moved beyond that. Thank God, yeah. There's no shot, bro. Go on, Ed. What frustrates you? Constant. We're going deep. We're going deep. We're going deep. Go deep. My, my, I feel like I'm a constant need to be affirmed or liked. Okay, the constant need for approval. Yeah. You get frustrated by a constant need for approval. Yeah. Okay, so the thought that you're happy, and then you think, why I need people to always approve me, and that makes you feel sad. Yeah. What does it make you feel? No, when I you say, I think yeah, I'm just, I think it's pretty, yeah, it's upset, sad with myself, and that's where. Sad with yourself, that's yeah. where you are. So when the thought comes into your head that why do I need pe- why do I need people to approve me, that makes you feel sad about yourself. Or inadequate, yeah. Inadequate. It makes you, when the thought of why do I need people to approve me comes into your mind, it makes you feel <laughs> inadequate. Okay, good. Always. Always, there's never a time when the thought why any approval doesn't make you feel inadequate. I have accounts me saying that sometimes I need. Oh, so sometimes you say actually, actually, you know, when you when you think about that, you need for approval. Say it's legitimate. It doesn't make you feel inadequate. It just sometimes. makes you feel human. Yeah. So it's the fact that you need approval sometimes makes you feel okay. So the formula of the thought that I need approval or, makes me makes me inadequate is not true. Well, the approval that I get would make me feel good. Okay, but let's just work with the way the thought's knocking out of heaven. Yeah. The thought's knocking out of heaven by saying, oh, I can't believe you're looking for approval. Oh my gosh, you're such a pathetic person. Is that always true? No. Sometimes you feel, oh, I need approval. It's okay, I'm a human being. So the thought is not always true, right? So let's switch it. Let's say that the thought that I need approval makes me adequate. How would that work? What would be the theory behind that? I'm human. You're human. Okay, flesh it out and therefore... And therefore... And therefore having approval shows that you moving in the right direction so that you maybe it's, accomplish an, it's an indicator that you're doing things okay yeah you're accomplishing things you're and it shows you're accomplishing things so actually the thought that I need approval makes me feel directed it makes me feel in touch with my own humanity mm. and it's a great thing how do you feel now? good yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's pretty sick yeah yeah, yeah. okay let's talk about what we're doing over here okay we could do this with everyone and I think pretty much the response will be universal now will it be like once you've had that thought and then you've like brought yourself back to him will you stay there probably not then another thought will come out and you have to rework it as well what are we doing over here in terms of our model of the Tanya so we've got this thing called the Nefesh Bahamis and we've got this thing called the Nefesh Lokis the Nefesh Bahamis is driven by bad medis it's driven by 
by the Arab Yisraelites Harayim, these bad, four bad elements, and there's there's there's, there's anger and all, all these things. So how we how we understanding what's going on? What we're really understanding is to what's happening is that because I've got a part of me that there's an angry part of me, it will shoot thoughts into my mind to 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 satiate it. So it's like this. I've got an angry part of me, which means when someone speaks loudly, it, come on, stop speaking loudly, you're disturbing the way I'm davening. So that's coming from what we call the Nefesh Bahamis. And the Nefesh Bahamis has taken over this thing called the thought faculty of your brain. And he's, token, he's kind of generated a thought, which lies there. And that thought, in a world where you're identifying with the Nefesh Bahamis, will go uncritiqued, unsupervised, unmediated, or just then run your life. And it will continue to tell you the story of your life as this is the things that are. Even though it's Shekhar Behevel, it's not true. But it will live, and you will live in that false existence and it will um, generate more negative experiences. And you'll become angry, which means the Nefesh Bahamis will become the ruling force in your life. The Nefesh Eloikis is the power to question, step back and take a deep breath and say, well, is that really true? And the minute you ask the question, is that really true? It's already been a movement away from the Nefesh Bahamis. Because the Nefesh Bahamis doesn't ask the question, is it really true? It's coming from a different place. So is it really true? Let me just think about that. Is it really true? The person, the being asking the question is Nefesh Loikis. Nefesh Loikis is connected, it's calm, it's understanding, it's coming from a deep place of real knowledge. Is that true? Is that really true? It's not always true. In fact, you know, how could I use this to my benefit and switch it around? And then what happens is you regain control of your thoughts so that they then can impact your emotions and everything is glut and good. <clears throat> yes, Adam. So I was just thinking about it now. It's like, say we use it for something like going like a natural instinct is to go to like an angry like emotion, whatever it is. Right. So you turn it around, you say, okay, anger could, no, it's not always bad. Anger sometimes is good. Um, it shows a sign of for passion. Shows that you're passionate about something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but now you're just justifying that this anger is okay, aren't you? Instead of trying to work through this anger, and okay, so so, so we I don't have got enough time to explore this. I think you. It sounds like you're saying a whole new negative thought thing that's going on in your head. So we'd have to we'd have to sit and dissect it, and see like what's going on over there. Like what 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 is it that you what what is going on in your, you know, in a formulaic fashion? That when this happens or when I do this, this is what I feel. Um, I think I think we've done done good for the moment. Um, so let's give it a bit of a a break, and uh, reconvene with the help of Abishta mm-hmm. tomorrow. I, I, I find sometimes that thoughts